Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice. And I'm Chris Bartlett, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We have both worked in ministry for a really long time, and we have just about seen it all. (laughs) As damaged as we are, we are ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. And last week, guys, we talked about getting volunteers. And so this is actually the first time I think that we've actually referenced um, one right after the other episodes. So we're following up on that because we had so much that we wanted to talk about with regards to volunteers that we wanted to divide it into at least two segments. This one, we're going to be talking about retaining volunteers. And I want to start us out with a Bible verse. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 2. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Right. And so sometimes the workers are there and they get exhausted. How do we sustain and retain the workers that are in the field? It's kind of like if you're a coach, you have the team take a water break. What does that look like? How do we retain and nourish them while they're already in the vineyard? Can I be the guy that calls you out a little bit on that Bible verse? Because that sounded like a great Bible verse for the last episode. (laughs) I'm serious. Go ahead. Call me out. Do you have one for retaining, you know, people, workers in the vineyard or? or... The the workers are few. That's the whole point is there's not a lot of workers. (laughs) So we got to retain the workers that we have. All right. All right. I mean, I I agree with you, but that I think that's a great one for getting people in. But it definitely applies here for sure that we need to keep them. But I I know that there was at least one person listening that was like, wait a second. (laughs) Retention versus, versus, yeah. Okay, busted. Yes, that's also a good verse. Scripture has many purposes. One is uh, to embarrass Chris, so congratulations. (laughs) I love you, buddy. I know. Moving on. Um, We're going to look at a couple of different pieces in regards to understanding the volunteers. And if we're going to retain the volunteer, we need to first understand uh, their motivation. Like each volunteer is different. Some of them are coming through because their kids are there. Mm-hmm. Some of them are coming because they love Jesus, but they also want a social kind of avenue and a team of people to volunteer with. Maybe you're part of a good team. And uh, so we need to start with their why, in other yep. words, to understand the root of their motivation. Absolutely. And some of them are doing it because Father told them to. Right, obedience. And that's, yeah. that's a, a motivation. That's a reason. Some of the motivations aren't the same as our motivations in ministry. And that's where it gets a little tricky, you know, because a lot of times when we try and motivate or encourage people, we're coming from our point of view, our references in regards mm. to our reasons for being there. Yeah. And other people have different reasons. What are some of the reasons that people have for jumping in ministry, Matt? That different than ours or? Yeah, just uh, sometimes it's like, my kid's in the program, so I feel obligated to journey with my child in the program. And it may not be obligation. It may be, I, I want to hear what you're teaching them. You know, I'm actually concerned that you're teaching them the right thing or the same thing that I would be teaching at home. So I'm, I'm there actually to keep an eye on you, the youth minister, <laughs> you know? Fascinating, but true. Yeah. And then it could also be the, the interaction, the social interaction with other kids. Um, I can imagine that it's probably, I mean, you tell me, I mean, you, you're, you're a homeschool parent. Um, homeschool parents do that for multiple reasons. Um, one of them often is protecting them from the influence of other kids. And so then, I don't know if that's yeah, true. Because there, there is that reality of some of the parents that have um, done diligence to protect the innocence of their child, even in a ministry setting, are worried that they're going to interact with other people who 
desperately need Jesus. Yeah. Well, and so the, the parent may be there to, again, protect their children, you know, or protect their child, shield their child from the influence of, you know, from a negative influence. And yeah. it may not be the, you know, the minister themselves. It may be the people that are there. I've had a couple of volunteers who have let me know I was looking for a good Catholic group of friends. And I thought that volunteering alongside other people would be the best way to do it. I don't really feel called to the ministry. I just know that serving in the ministry is an opportunity for socialization with the people that I desire to get to know. Yeah. <laughs> On that same note, it's a great way to meet a spouse. Yeah, it, that's, that's true. And we have <laughs> you know? a number of young adults volunteering in our program. I know you do as well. But how do you retain that volunteer, right? Have Once they, they get up married? married and disappearing <laughs> like a check. I, I used the ministry, not served in the ministry, but I used the ministry. But at the same time, some of these volunteers, the reason why they come in, just like we talked about a couple episodes ago, our motivation changed on the road, yeah. right? The reason that they got in and the reason that they stay in are two different reasons. So maybe this whole point of motivation, understanding their motivation and maybe connecting their motivation to a deeper yes or a deeper why. Regardless of why they come in, we need to cast the vision so that everybody kind of unites the vision of the youth ministry with their why. And, the ministry, and, not just youth ministry. Don't yes, forget you whatever. always mentioned RCIA. <laughs> sure. To unite the vision of the ministry with their why so that, you know, like you said, if their initial why starts to fade, this other why has grown into something that will keep them there. Good. Another piece in regards to volunteer retention is to examine the reservations that they have. Like, what are they apprehensive? What type of fears or uh, where do they feel unequipped? And to be able to pour into that. You know, we've always heard uh, God uh, prepares the called. He doesn't call the prepared. Sure. Right. No one's worthy of, of sharing the gospel. Right. No one is worthy. I mean, Mary, <laughs> literally, she bore Christ to the world. So I think she gets the, the pass, but everyone else. And so that requires us to partner with them along the way someone who might be a small group leader or a catechist and just, I'm nervous about sharing this because I don't feel like I have a relationship with Christ that makes me worthy to share this. And it's like, how can we work with those people, empower them along the way? And it does two interesting things. One, it moves an obstacle out of the way. And at the same time, it gives them deeper ownership over the ministry. Now they're carrying the faith forward instead of just being a, a safe environment check mark to meet the quota that you're required to have or something like that. We have to give these volunteers ownership. And the longer that they volunteer, the longer we retain the volunteer, the more ownership that they should be given. So a year three volunteer should be able to talk to a parent about any aspect of the program, whereas a year one volunteer might be focused on uh, different tasks aside from that. Sure. But so you were talking about the, the areas that they may feel ill-equipped um, in whatever ministry it is. And so one of the areas that you were just saying in a way, I, I think was that they, they feel like they may not have the catechetical formation themselves to be able to then pass on to the people that they're serving. Right. That's one hesitation, one area of training or formation that you'll need to have with your volunteers to overcome that fear. Right. Um, there are other areas too, like interactions with people. Um, I don't know how to talk to people or I'm really good with this age group or this type of person. I'm not good with this other person or, you know, I'm not good talking to non-Catholics. Um, 
you know, different things like that. There may be other hesitancies. Behavior management is one that I run into all the time to where they're like, I'm good, comfortable leading this group. I'm comfortable leading this class or teaching this lesson. But when this person gets out of line, I don't know how to bring them back. It feels like it derails the whole class and I don't know how to get back on track. And they get discouraged on the road uh, as a volunteer. How do we pull them back in, equip them along the way and thus retain them for a longer time? Yeah. So what are some other areas where people may need, they may feel inadequate um, in whatever ministry they're working in? I think preparation and planning is another area. How can I go ahead and get a lesson plan out there? How can I make sure that the icebreaker, the supplies, because a lot of times before a class, a session, a youth night, whatever, there's chaos. There's a significant amount of chaos. And moving into that makes the ministry feel pretty chaotic too. And that's not super hospitable towards the, the volunteer's heart, in my opinion. Yeah, they may feel ill-equipped as to with, what's, with regards to what's happening at that event. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. In that specific moment, not just in general with regards to volunteering. Another one, and this is a team thing, but uh, time management. So when you have a talk that's scheduled for like seven minutes and someone takes 15 minutes, then maybe the classroom time or the small group time or the discussion time gets cut short. And that was the time that a number of volunteers, like that's where I really enjoy connecting with my group. And now it just got sh cut short by 15 minutes. I don't even know why I showed up today. And so honoring some of those key times and helping the rest of the team know that this is sacred time. So we are going to make sure that if your talk goes two minutes over, you're going to see me or the MC or someone else come up and, and thank you for speaking, like pull people off stage, you know, so there's a ripple effect. So if we equip one volunteer who's weak in an area to be stronger in that area, for example, someone who gives talks or is, is giving a presentation to stay within their time limits, then we honor the other volunteers who are serving as well, because then their small group time or their discussion time doesn't suffer because someone went five minutes over. And so there's a ripple effect to volunteers. So one volunteer's inadequacy actually weakens the whole team. And so retaining or pouring into a volunteer actually will help retain the whole team a little bit better because they'll be able to have their aspects honored. True. So one of the things that I think what, as far as an overarching topic that we've been kind of addressing here is when you have volunteers come on, they're going to have their own hesitancies. They're going to have their own reasons. Um, for doing what they're they're doing, and so you as the the leader are going to have to do two main things as they come on. One is cast the vision for the ministry and try to get their their why aligned with your ministry's why. You're also going to have to equip them. If you don't do those two things as people come on, retention of your volunteers is going to drop. They may not even last you know a week or two because if their why or if their vision isn't aligned with yours then there's going to be dissonance there and they're not going to like that. Um, and if they don't feel equipped, they're going to feel um, inadequate every time they show up. But it's not my fault they weren't there on August 15th for the training day. <laughs> yeah. like, came on afterwards, you know, so that I mean, they just have to wait till next year, right? Nope. I mean, not unless you don't want them. So what do we do with that? I mean, we have set times in the year to train uh, and retain. We have those pieces. They're segmented. I mean, one of the things we talked about last time is it, like the volunteer recruiting doesn't stop. Volunteer training doesn't stop. So how, what does that look like? How can you always be training? 
That's, I mean, that's a great question. There are multiple ways to do that. I mean, depending on how you organize your teams and your events themselves, you should be training even as you're running the night. Before the event and after the, the event, you're preparing them for what's going to happen. And then you're also following up on things that went really well. And you may even talk pe with people individually and, and say, hey, this went really well, or this is an area that I think you could learn from. And obviously, you got to say it in, in the right way. And then I think that as you bring on people, because again, you're always recruiting. As you bring on people, you're, you're still training. And if someone missed the training, you can say, hey, and you know, I have a, I have a new volunteer. I'm going to be meeting with this, them at this time to talk to them about the program and about what, we're, what they're doing, would you, can you tag along, you know, can you come as well? Um, and that's something you can do periodically, you know, throughout the, the year. We need to rethink training. Ministry leaders, our primary ministry is to those who pour into others, right? Yeah. So I know that we probably have a small group, we probably have a class, we probably have something along those lines, but the team is our main ministry, even though the team reaches what our job description might say is our main ministry. And so training doesn't have to be, you know, a 25 minute session or a, a, a video link that is sent out in a pre-email that only, you know, 12% of your people open. It can be 30 seconds in the opening, uh, in the opening kind of huddle that you have with your team, team, or it can be two minutes at the end of the night when you're kind of stacking chairs and say, hey, let's huddle up real quick and say, hey, this could have worked better and this worked really good. And let's talk about why this looked really good or worked really good. And so on the, on the go training, and then you see, you see some volunteers that need that extra coaching. You got to eat lunch anyways, go eat lunch with them and talk through those pieces. They feel poured into, they feel invested in, they feel like the parish cares about them and that they matter because you're entrusting them with deeper responsibility through that training, investing in them, and they will want to live that out. So pour into your volunteers and pour into ones that the squeaky wheel gets the oil, but everyone needs to get a little bit. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, but everyone needs to get, get a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and that why and that vision casting should almost be a part of your pregame for any event. Um, just to get people reconnected with why they're even there that night. Um, because Correct. sometimes you can get distracted from, oh, I'm here to execute this plan that Chris sent me. Yeah, that's great, but that's not why we're here. That's that is at the service of the bigger why, um, and so reconnecting them with the the why before every event um, is a good motivational, inspirational thing that you need to do with your team, day in and day out. But sometimes it's tonight we're going to pray with the the youth, or tonight we're going to talk about Mary. Now keep in mind, some of them don't understand the role of Mary in this aspect. Here's a quick and creative way to explain it. And so now we're doing training specific to the execution as well, little trainings along the way. Absolutely. Good. The next piece is limitations in regards to your volunteers. Know their limitations. Sometimes we burn volunteers out because we see they're so good that we start making bigger asks and bigger asks and bigger asks, and then they get overwhelmed and burnt out. And so we need to let each person know that they're a vital piece of our team and to honor whatever we can in regards to, I don't want anyone to be widowed by ministry or any kids to be orphaned by ministry for our volunteers. That's crazy, right? Yep. And there's two sides to this coin because I, I think that we often lose volunteers because we don't give them enough. We give them this menial task that anybody can do that has a pulse. 
and and then we don't give them anything really exciting or substantial and so then they're like you don't need me i'm out they don't feel like they matter until you give them something that matters absolutely but then you can give them like you said too many things that matter and then they become overloaded overburdened and 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 burn out so you run the risk of giving them too little or burning them out yeah how do you find that balance is there is there an easy way to find that balance i think it's through relationship really you have constant communication. Hey, you seem a little stressed out today. You can tell them, you know, you know the pulse of them because you are in relationship with them. You look a little stressed out. Yeah, things at home are crazy. You know, I just heard you talk about how things at home are crazy, but you're scheduled to like lead the next session. Can I take the talk or can I do the icebreaker? That way you can have a little bit more bandwidth this week to focus on the things at home. And that's how you do it. And they appreciate that. And it's it's hard, man, because I know that when you get a, a rock star volunteer who is very capable and willing to say yes, even if you know, I mean, even if you know that they're, they've, they're, they've said yes to do too much or they're, they're I mean, they may re- be running half your ministry, <laughs> but you're so excited to have someone else helping you do it. Sometimes we have our blinders on and we don't even realize how much work we've given these people. Yeah. So we have to like have some way to check that, you know, and look at what we've, what have we delegated to who? And maybe that's something that we need to do right now, or you need to do right now is, you know, look at your ministry, look at who is running, who is doing what, and, and have you given too much, you know, have you delegated too much to one specific person just because they can And here's a good way to do that is go through your volunteers one by one and say, if they had a catastrophic, go through your volunteers. (laughs) (laughs) Let me start over. (laughs) Go through your volunteers one by one and examine it. If they had a catastrophic event and they left the ministry for three months, what would the impact be on the ministry? And if the ministry would completely fail or falter or crumble, then we need to start pairing people up with those people to do some cross training. Yeah. So that it doesn't all fall on one person because that's going to be helpful when stress levels get high because these are people, they have personal lives as well. Well, and that's why, you know, in uh, a lot of the ministry that I'll do, I mean, we'll do teams. So you'll have a, a subset of your volunteer team who's in charge of running an event, running a night or whatever it is. Um, and that way, if one of the four or one of the three can't make it, something happens the other three are there to, to carry it, to do it. If you were to give it all to one person, then the point of failure, the possibility for failure is a lot higher. That's just one way to, to ensure that that doesn't happen. You know, but I have also found that if we don't have a clear team lead when those type of planning sessions are going, then no one really moves it. Everyone's on the team, but if they know that they can report to, to Sam or Jessica or Laura, then and then that's the one you're interacting with to get the details or communicate. I think that's helpful too. So I think it's a both and, but you're absolutely right. Even in the Bible, and not that I have the verse pulled up that you can be mean to me about, but <laughs> even in the Bible, it says they send forth two by two Yeah, on, onto the ark. Absolutely. So give your kids, give your, give your volunteers something that matters, um, but make sure that you're not giving them everything that matters. So other vital actions for retaining volunteers, um, I want to I mention gratitude. 
we need to pour out gratitude to our volunteers and not just at key moments where it's like, Hey, you know, this is the sacrament, you know, congratulations to all these people. Thanks so much from at the end of mass that thank you that happens, but also specific, like the way that you reached out to that team that was frustrated last Sunday made a really big impact, not just to that team, but also to the other volunteers, the other people on our team that got to see you model what good ministry looks like. Good job. Yeah, like like Chris said earlier, your ministry um, as the ministry leader is specifically to your volunteer team to like initially. So when you're at your event, whatever it is, you need to be looking at your team, watching your team, seeing what they do, and looking for ways to brag on them in a way um, in front of everyone else. And if you have like a specific set of you know initiatives or values that y'all have set as a team then at the end of the night when y'all are doing your check-in meeting, whatever it is, like say, hey, Sally, you did an amazing job of reaching out to this kid that was sitting by themselves. Or, you know, Joe, when you went out of your way to find the answer for that that person that ha- asked that question, that was amazing. That's exactly what you need to be doing. Um, yeah. When we combine those two classrooms, I've never seen anyone handle 14 kids as well as you did. You know, absolutely. That whole, that whole thing. Yeah. And doing that in front of your team is it like makes a big difference instead of doing it just in private the team realizes oh that's what i need to be doing that's another way that you're coaching your team and then they'll start to do those things as well the next time because i mean everybody wants to get praise Um, and on that note everybody wants to get praise so you need to make sure that you are sharing that and not just highlighting one volunteer who's doing it well every single time because then everyone else will start hating that kid hating that volunteer (laughs) and i found myself doing that because we have at our youth program presenters different presenters or different people that lead from the microphone and i was only affirming people that held the microphone yeah but then i started changing and i started affirming people that were holding the door as well Mm -hmm. doing ministry of hospitality as people entered which is uh, uh, not in the spotlight, but it makes a huge impact on a personal real level. Yeah, so find a way to affirm everyone on your team regularly. And it doesn't have to be every single week you affirm everyone. It can be just a key thing when they step forward, but make sure no one gets left off of that list in a given month or a semester. Um, Another piece in regards to gratitude is celebrating as a team. Fostering a sense of community within your team uh, makes people have deeper reasons. Yes, Jesus is the reason we started to serve. Um, the relationship with those that we minister to is the reason we stay. But the joy that we have along the way happens when we foster and develop a really good team. And sometimes that happens at the end of the first semester when you're like, we survived the fall. Let's all go over to this person's house and you know have a beer and a white elephant gift exchange or something along those lines. Yeah. And you want to develop community among the team that you're working with because that community comes through in the events that you run. When the the population that you're serving sees the camaraderie and the fellowship that exists between you and your team. They see that and they, they want to be a part of that. That's infectious, you know, and other people want to be a part of that. You talk about like a great way to recruit is, is have a team that is a community. People want to be a part of that. Um, even if that's a, like we were talking about earlier, not the perfect reason they're like, I want to be a part of that community because look at how, lively they are look at how much fun they have and then they get to i don't know they get to come onto your mission because of that that's a great way to recruit and a great way to retain yeah that's that's marketing 101 now if we take all this and we flip it i know we've been talking about a lot of ways that we can pour into the volunteers to retain them i think if we flip it around 
Becoming a leader worth following is another way to retain volunteers. Like to be humble, to be honest, to be open, to be vulnerable, and to strive to be a leader worth following is a great way because people want to follow someone that's worthy of that. Yeah. So always be increasing your capacity as a leader. How? Aside from listening to Ministry Leaders Anonymous and sharing it. Hey, this is a, this is a great way, Chris. Come on. Um, we, we actually share a lot of resources like this um, through all the episodes. But there's, what is it? I think it is 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. One of the laws is the law of the lid. The law of the lid is the leadership cap that the leader has. Nobody on the team is going to get beyond that unless the leader then excels themselves. Does that make sense? So he is, yeah, he essentially or she is raising the ceiling for the entire team. Increasing your capacity as a ministry leader increases the capacity, leadership capacity of everyone on the team. Absolutely. Not everyone's going to rise up to the occasion, but there's a few that are ready to surpass it. And they can't until the leader themselves is able to do so. Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, I think a prayer life, like a dynamic prayer life that is, I don't want to say shareable, that, but it's a model. Mm. Does that make sense? So is that a lot of us have an interior life that is very personal, very private, but we need to at some point share that, whether it's I was reflecting in adoration the other day and you guys came onto my heart and I just wanted to share what the Lord said to me or, hey, you know, I, I would love to, at the end of this meeting, uh, have your prayer intentions and they say them. And the next week you follow up with them. How's your grandma doing? How's that job going? I know you were stressed about finances. How are you doing? You know, you're able to follow up in a specific way to say the spiritual side of things matters to the leader and therefore it should matter to everyone else. You are a leader worth following. Absolutely. One of the, one of the things that I've said uh, in the past, and I don't know if I've ever said it here on the podcast, but you know, our job is to share our relationship with Jesus, with others. The primary way that you introduce someone to a friend, you know, is by telling stories about that friend. When I talk about stories of Chris and I and the different trips that we do, people are like, man, I really want to meet that guy, Chris. He sounds like a lot of fun. We need to have the same thing happening with with Jesus. You know, we need to be sharing our life with Jesus with other people so that people are like, hey, I, I want to meet that guy, Jesus. That sounds really cool. And so like what you said, Chris, like sharing your, the only way to do that, I mean, your relationship with Jesus is your prayer life. The only way to share that is to have a prayer life and then to actually be vulnerable enough to say, Hey, you know, in my prayer, this is what I, what I was praying about or, you know, and, and then people will be like, Hey, afterwards they may say, what does your prayer look like? You know, what do you do when you pray? That's the way that you help introduce them in, you know, to Jesus. And it's, it's beautiful. And so be vulnerable with your prayer life and share that with your team. Great. And now as we come near the end of the episode, we're going to do one of your favorite segments. It's the first segment we've ever done this on, but it's role-playing. We've got some key phrases uh, that we have that we want you to use as ministry leaders that help retain volunteers. And so I'm going to play the role of the volunteer and Matt is going to be the key phrase deliverer as the ministry leader. Oh, Matt, this will be ready? fun. Uh, well, yeah, let's go for it. Oh man, I'm not sure if I can. Uh, I can. I can do this. How do I greet these these teams? I'm really nervous about it. Oh, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. Why don't you just follow me? Come with me and let me show you how to do it. I'll introduce you to the first ones. I'll show you how to do it, and then you can take it on from there. So the key phrase there was "Let me show you." 
Matt, I'm not even sure if I can continue. What are my expectations in regards to moving forward with this program? I'm really busy. Oh, it, this is easy. I've, I've got it all written down. I can send it to you an email and we can meet and talk about it. Here, I've got it all written down. Good key phrase. Matt, I've never led an icebreaker before. Um, what should I do? You know what? I've got the icebreaker figured out. I know exactly what we're going to do. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Good. Matt, I'm a little bit nervous because I am not sure how to X, Y, or Z. How does this work? So let's say X is small group. When you're working with a small group, this is what you can expect. You might have this from this person and this from this person, but when that happens, this is what you can expect and this is how you respond. Oh my gosh, I know I'm five minutes late to the meeting. Just things at home got crazy. We understand stuff like this happens. I'm just glad you're here. Great. Pizza again? I feel like we haven't gotten to the content yet. Why do we have so much pizza or socialization <laughs> or icebreakers? I don't have an answer for that one, Chris. The key phrase it's here, guys, is we're doing this. One. We're doing this because yeah. I know that, but I don't know why we're eating pizza every week. <laughs> we're doing this because we need to get build relationship. We need to earn the right to be heard. And then we move on later on in the semester into deeper topics once we've earned the right to be heard. We're doing this because is the key phrase. Yes, absolutely. Good. You know, with, uh, with all the political stuff and things like that, I think uh, it would be nice. And it doesn't sound like a Catholic topic, like a catechism topic, but just how to be human to each other, how to have discourse or even disagree and still love. You know, we, we actually haven't dealt with that in the recent history. I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea is the key phrase. Oh, I am so nervous about this upcoming event because I'm going to miss for the first half hour. Do you think there's a way that someone could take my small group during the first half hour of this? I'm lost on how to make this work. Absolutely. No, we, we are a team and that's why we work on a team because we're all in it together. We're all in it together is the key phrase. Hey, Matt, do you mind if I, uh, if I lead opening prayer? I know that we've been doing like uh, a Hail Mary and our Father, but I just, I just feel like a spontaneous prayer this week, especially. I really want to kind of just share my heart in prayer. Is that possible? Absolutely. I think the, the group that we're working with, they, they need to see that example, and you're really good at that. Excellent. Boy, we had uh, three of the kids come, come late, and I just had a, just a small group on the fly. It was a headache. How'd that go for you? Well, you know, it was interesting because about halfway through, once we got on track, we were moving pretty quick. Like it, it only disrupted the first 10 minutes. So the key right. phrase there was, how did that go for you? The key takeaway in regards to retaining volunteers that I want us to walk away with is that their success is our main job. Their success is your job. And so we need to constantly be pouring into them, cultivating them, affirming them, and strengthening them throughout the year. And then we get to have their ministry gifts be put at the disposal of the Lord's will, which is in your ministry for years to come. Absolutely. And I, I, the one thing that I think miss, is missing most in a lot of volunteer teams is that community aspect. And so that's the area that I, I want people to focus on, you know, is, is really building community among your volunteer team. Amen. You guys, thanks so much for joining us today. We are grateful to be in a position where we get to dialogue with this with you. Uh, let's continue the conversation online. And I know that you guys have other ideas, other ways to retain volunteers. So please do share that online. Look for MLA podcast on Facebook and share this podcast with someone. Email us at mla at ablazeyouth.org if you have any questions. 
Uh, the other cool thing, check out our new logo. Go online, uh, jump on Facebook and see our group. We have a brand new logo that just came out this past week. It is, it is amazing. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and for your volunteers. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. <laughs>